I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Very, very busy week uh, as the May 1st transfer portal deadline is now in effect in college football this week so uh, anybody that wants to be eligible to play for the upcoming season has to be in the transfer portal um, really by this week and then they could be eligible for next year Um, so you've got that then you've got guys coming on campus Um, this weekend Nebraska hosted Devin Drew a Kansas City native that played at Iowa Western then Texas Tech He's a one-for-one defensive lineman. I think it looks pretty good for Nebraska right now as of taping time here early in the week. Uh, But then we're going to know the big news on Saturday, Robin. Ochon Mathis from TCU. Um, I I really think Nebraska sits in a pretty good position with Ochon as well. Uh, But we'll see. You just never know. He was at Texas this last weekend for their spring game. Um, I know he had a great trip up here. I think the key was Nebraska invited all of his family or had all of his family members here with him. And we're going to know that one on Saturday. Now, I know that there was something to be made of, like, that was his third visit to Texas. But, you know, you got to kind of put that in perspective a little bit. He's from Texas. Like, that's a little different going, uh, taking a drive to Austin than taking almost your entire family up to Nebraska and making that much of a commitment to do that extensive of travel. So, I mean, I, I put almost more weight into the fact that they put that much effort into coming to Nebraska then, um, this being one of at least three visits they've made uh, to Texas since entering the portal. Yeah, and and it's hard to say. What's he looking for? Is it playing time? Is it coaches? Is it scheme? Is it NIL? Is it all of that? You know, and I'm guessing it's a little bit of everything. Um, And he's going to get whatever he wants in NIL. Like, that, those opportunities for him will come wherever he goes. Um, But... You know, what does he really want and what is he looking for? I think the Big Ten, to me, offers a better development league for him than the Big 12. If you're talking about going to the next level, um, if you can do it in this league, you're going to get drafted. Look at the, the best pass rushers in the NFL. Almost the majority of them are from the Big Ten conference. Well, I mean, look at Michigan. I mean, they had, they're going to have the number one pick as a pass rusher. And then the other guy that got hurt was going to be like a top 10 pick, too. Mm-hmm. Um, a, the guy from uh, Ajobo, yes, from Michigan, yeah. Ajobo, he, he's still going to be a first round pick. Yeah, but I mean, they're talking like him being like top ten, maybe. David Ajobo, yeah. So, you know, you, in, you just look at every team in the Big Ten that has pass rushers like that; they go high. So, if you can put up production in this league, like a Randy Gregory did when he was here, and um, you know, you're going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that's a necessarily a slam dunk in the Big Twelve, um, you know, because this is the way that league plays football. It's different. Um, with with not as much pro style elements. So you look at the Oklahoma pass rushers; they were the two top pass rushers in the big or in the Big Twelve, 
and you're looking at them maybe getting into the second round. And I think it's just a lot of the style of play where, sure, they're pass rushers, but you have to be a complete defensive end to, uh, Against the be, run to be able to make it. Yeah, and so that's where like the separation is. I mean, if you're an elite pass rusher in the Big Ten, you are essentially ready to hit the ground running as an NFL prototype, whereas there's a bit of a physical uh, adjustment and acclimation that needs to happen from a maybe less physical, more pass-happy league like the Big 12. Yeah, the Big 12 is always known as a 7-on-7 league. In the Big 10, you're going to see tight ends. You're going to see fullbacks. You're going to see big Mm -hmm. physical downhill running backs. You're going to see quarterbacks under center. All things that you'll see in the NFL, which helps the Big 10 to me. It's not the SEC, but it's still a pretty dang good NFL league. And speaking of that, Robin, we will have the draft this weekend. Um, We're taping here before the draft starts. Um, We don't expect anybody to go Thursday round one, but... I think we uh, it's pretty good chance that we're going to see at least one, maybe two guys go Friday. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's almost a certainty. And now the question is, can they get a second rounder? Can a guy like Cam Jurgens work or his Taylor way up, Britt. or Cam Taylor Britt work his way up that high into the draft to to potentially be the first second round pick since Randy Gregory and Amir Abdullah back in 2016? That that would be quite the accomplishment for a guy that went through uh, you know some struggles earlier during that transition from tight end to center so you know it I think it's not a matter of if they will get a guy it's just a matter of for one how many they can get on the second day and then two how many they end up getting before the draft is all said and done and you know one guy that is continuously being talked about as like a fringe seventh rounder that I just thought would be a much more valued commodity in the draft is, is Austin Allen and I just wonder how much you know he talked about after his pro day how his bench press numbers were kind of the big red concern that NFL teams had told him that they had. And, you know, he, as pro he didn't do it at the combine and he said he didn't get nearly the number he wanted. And he, he knew it, uh, during the pro day. So I just wonder if like, that's kind of the knock that if he's not tough or strong enough, but anybody that's watched him play knows that's not the case. Well, I think it's the physicality. Can he be a complete tight end? When you look at, you know, what the Kelsey's and the, the Kittles and I mean, the, the got a block, you got a block and, you know, you've got to create those matchups on the edge and, and, and win in those situations. And if you were just going off the pro football focused data, you know, he, he improved a lot as a blocker this year, um, but that was definitely not his strong suit. I mean, he was the best receiving tight end in the league, arguably, this year. He was named tight end of the year. Um, him and Jake Ferguson kind of split the honors, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he took home a bulk of the honor. So we'll see where it goes. Um, and, you know, I, I know he could have come back another year, but I don't know how much more that would have helped him. I mean, he, he had a record-breaking year this year. What, what more could he have done? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, maybe you get some better stats, but at that point you kind of are what you are. Like, uh, I think there would be more risk in coming back uh, to potentially have an injury or maybe a regression with a new offense. And so uh, I think he, he made the right decision, and I still think – I mean, if he even if he doesn't get drafted, Austin Allen has a place in the NFL, especially if he can prove some of those questions uh, or doubts wrong about his blocking. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we've got a full show here on tap. We're going to talk more basketball with Robin Washett later in the show, um, but I'm going to bring up a lot of transfer portal talk, a lot of May one talk um, with friends and colleagues I have um, around rivals in the league. Um, Tom Deanhart from Black, uh, Golden Black from Purdue, also formerly of the Big Ten Network. He'll join me. I want to hear what, what's Purdue doing at NIL. What's his thoughts on May 1st of the transfer portal? And the same goes with Iowa. Tom Kakert's going to join me from HawkeyeReport.com. The Hawkeyes just completed their spring. 
um, very uneventful Kirk Ferentz type spring. Um, they were only able to practice outdoors three times because of winds and conditions. So, um, you know, they didn't get the type of work they really wanted to do. They played their spring game, by the way, Robin, at 945 in the morning. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a different deal in Iowa how they do spring football. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear from Tom about their NIL um, and their transfer portal approach. And then Clint Cosgrove is going to join me. He was in Indianapolis this past weekend. A lot of Nebraska natives were there for the Rivals Camp Series event. We'll hear Clint's thoughts on that. He'll he'll talk about Malachi Coleman as uh, as well. So that's all on tap on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan uh, moving you along here as, um, you know, it's kind of the dog days but not really um, as it's just been pure madness in college football and I wanted to just bring a good friend of mine a guy that really kind of knows the Big Ten and knows the landscape as well as anyone I talk to is Tom Deanhurt uh, from goldenblack.com covers Purdue but really um, a national voice a conference voice for the Big Ten as well and and Tom you know we've dealt with wild times but you know, I, I think this week alone with the new May 1st transfer portal deadline rule that's been put into effect now for this year, um, along with the element of NIL, I don't know if, if we're ever going to see th- this week, and in, in we're taping here earlier in the week, but this week is going to bring things that we probably never have seen before in the transfer portal era. Yeah, you know, it's uh, like, like you said, it's on crazy time. May 1st is a date everybody's circle. Of course, that's the date portal-wise. You have to be in the portal if you want to be eligible for the fall, uh, the fall season without having to get a waiver. So yeah, if you read the stories and numbers in the portal continue to jump, uh, I think NIL people think are, are, are is contributing to that as well. And as, as players seek some type of a deal. So, yeah, I mean, it's a crazy time for fans, for coaches. Uh, there's a sense of excitement, Sean, <laughs> but there's also a sense of, of, of angst too. And, because it's sort of the great unknown at this point. We don't know how all this stuff's going to shake out. What have you seen, and in, in you're close to Purdue, you know the people there, you know the lay of the land in West Lafayette. You know, I know what's going on here in Nebraska. Like, what has gone on with NIL from what you can tell at Purdue to this point? Yeah, Sean, I, I spoke to Deputy, Deputy AD Chief Operating Officer Ken Halpin for a story um, recently, and um, Ken Halpin's the number two man in the athletic department. He has the charge of putting together NIL for Purdue, Sean. And my, in my story, I report that Purdue is not going to play the game where they're getting into bidding wars for players. Uh, uh, so I'm not sure how it's going to wash out for Purdue, but Sean, they lost a basketball player they wanted desperately out of the portal named Nigel Pack from Kansas State. He's from Indianapolis, a player they had recruited at a high school, a player who they had a ready-made spot for. But Nigel Pack's going to Miami. Uh, 
and he's going to be buoyed by a, a two-year deal that's going to pay him $800,000 plus a vehicle. So long story short, again, Purdue's told me they are not going to get involved in this game. They think it's an inducement more than NIL. And uh, it will be interesting to see if Purdue stays on its high horse or not or, or, or finally realizes, hey, we got to get in this game if you want to get some of the elite players onto our rosters. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you look at just the Big Ten West and the landscape of the seven programs, I know Nebraska's heavily in NIL, but I don't see or at least feel like a lot of the teams in the West are, are going to be big NIL teams. When you look at Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois. I mean, Illinois may be to an extent, but it doesn't seem like it. I mean, in this could be something that really, you know, makes the West take a step back if, if, if they're not, you know, up to speed in this area. Yeah, it could. Even in the East, Sean, I was thinking like you about other teams in the Big Ten, maybe what their stand is on this. And, and having spoken with you and read a lot of the stories on your site, I obviously know Nebraska's involved with it, but Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, I guess I'm not sure how on board they are with, with, with maybe some of the extremes to which schools are using and interpreting NIL at this point to get talent. So, yeah, as you've seen, Sean, just the wild, wild west out there. It's the great unknown, and there are no rules. That's the one rule, right? And, and, and uh, some teams are uh, really dove into this thing head first. And, and like I said, a school like Purdue sitting on the sidelines. So uh, the, I'll just say this, Sean, there's a lot of Purdue fans with a lot of anxiety right now wondering what's going to happen to their football and basketball program. What's going to really turn this thing, though, in my opinion, is somebody's going to tape record something, a prospect or somebody, and they're going to get inducement on tape. And and that's when, that's when you're going to maybe have some problems. Um, so as long as you're not using NIL as true inducement, I mean, the, the yeah. spirit of the law says – Proof of performance. That's all you have to do for the NCAA is show proof of performance for what you've done to earn your NIL. But I think the term inducement is going to be what gets blown up here. And there's going to be somebody that gets something where they get mad at a school and, and they're going to they're going to turn in our public and a Pete Thamel or somebody nationally is going to blow it up out, out of the water um, because the school is going to get pretty upset about things. Yeah, you're exactly right. Those, I guess, are, if there are two rules, one of them, like you said, is inducement. It cannot be used as an inducement, number one. And number two, Sean, as you know, you also can't use NIL to help to try to retain players either on your roster. Other than that, I mean, it's a pretty wide-open field. But, yeah, certainly, you know, the, the uh, scenario, the hypothetical you unfolded there uh, with a disgruntled player maybe uh, ratting out, if you will, a school, most likely will will occur at some point. There's going to be disgruntled parties in this. And we need guardrails. I think we all understand that. But are these guardrails ever going to come? We know the NCAA is not going to provide them, at least right now they're not. Will the government get involved with guardrails? A lot of people don't want to see Congress get their feet in, in, in this mess either. So, um, like I said, I think if we had some type of standard, some type of regulations, I think a lot of people – we feel a lot more comfortable moving forward with some set of established rules that everybody was playing by, if not nationally, Sean, at least by conference by conference basis. Talking here with Tom Deanhard of GoldenBlack.com, also a Big Ten expert here, uh, talking NIL and, and kind of what's going on nationally um, around the country. And you hear all these big numbers being thrown out there, but I, I still think people don't quite understand. Like if a school is saying we're going to give a guy this much money, 
from what I gather, in most cases, you don't just get that money like right away. Like it, it's like money that would be earned from start to finish over the time you're there. Because anybody that would just say, "Yeah, you're going to get all the money right away," that player could just quit and leave at that point. And you know that 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 type of stuff is going to happen too. And that's when it's going to get really ugly, I think, too. What would happen with Quinn, Quinn Ewers? You know, he went to Ohio State as an early enrollee. He reclassified, was there over the spring, right, for like a million dollars? Well. And we all know he left in Texas now, so you wonder how much money he got from people in Columbus, Ohio. You know, the thing about him, I think his deals happened before collectives were involved. So he got organic deals. And I think the, I think probably some of those deals that just stayed with them. I, I don't know how that all worked, but there's going to be certain players that just get organic NIL, like the real NIL, and and that's yeah. what that, that's what this was meant for. You know, if Rondell Moore I'll, was yeah. still at Purdue, yeah. he'd get a lot of organic NIL. Um, but yeah. you know, it w- when it starts to be used as a roster builder, I mean that that's when this thing has really changed. Yeah, it was funny too talking to Ken Halpin again, the deputy AD at Purdue. I asked him about Purdue's collective and. Right now, he told me they're going to have a single collective, Sean, and some schools have multiple collectives, as I'm sure you know. And he also went on to tell me that he thought maybe this could evolve into each sport having its own collective. Football has its own collective. Basketball has its own collective, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Or, again, they could just keep one, at least at Purdue, they could keep just one overall collective of course the universities aren't involved with these right we all know that they're they're separate entities from the universities wink wink nod Um, nod (laughs) yeah exactly right but i thought it was interesting you could have a collective just for each sport maybe maybe that's the way you go you have your football collective and your men's basketball collective if you will and then if the other sports like volleyball or women's basketball or baseball that those are big deals well schools maybe they have their own collective too the challenge tom is finding someone not only number one that wants to do it because Typically, somebody that does this job probably has to have a career where he makes a lot of money. You can't just be some green behind the ear rookie and, and, and organize millions of dollars. And number two, um, they got to be wanting to do it. They got to be able to do it. I mean, chasing down and meeting with college and high school players on yeah. things is not a not exactly I think people something people are signing up to do. Yeah, you're right. You're gonna have to use somebody who's connected and Sean. I'd like to. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. How how much more often do you think we're going to see these players have agents and representation that can go to those collectives and say, "Hey, what do you got for my guy?" Oh, I think it's going to be really prevalent. I mean, I can I know of one five star guy already that I've dealt with um, where they've got somebody helping them a little bit on the side. So you know, in, you're you're going to see forming LLCs will be the norm. I mean. You, you're going to almost have to go through training to form LLCs um, in order to kind of properly run your operation if you're a high-level player because it's going to be so much money that you're going to need some some guidance on how to manage that money because a lot of these kids, Tom, have probably never even had a job before. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 yeah. they weren't mowing lawns like Tom Deanhart or shoveling <laughs> s- sidewalks or, um, like or bagging groceries at high V. I mean, they, they were, uh, I mean, so for a lot of these guys, it's probably the first real, real income they've ever even earned. Yeah. But, it's, uh, it's, it's a big amount of, it's a big chunk of change too. Uh, and again, the tax implications that go with that as well. 
the the collective's going to want its cut too, right, Sean? I don't know, five percent, ten percent. Yeah, I'm sure they get a cut to, to do their do the business, but they're. Um, I mean, I, think, I know. I, I know. I know. Purdue. They, they like. I'm sure every school is like Purdue. They, they have another system where they try to educate these kids too, and let them know about tax implications, and they can fill an advisory role if they have any questions along those types of lines of all the ramifications that come with maybe yourself getting flooded with a with a wad of cash you know you've never had to deal with before as we wrap it up here with tom diener i do want to ask you one more thing tom in may the big 10 is going to discuss future schedules uh, we don't have 2023 big 10 schedules out yet uh, we don't know what direction they're going to go um, nebraska's ad trev alberts has hinted some big changes and what does that mean Eight conference games? I don't think so. I think they need nine to make the money they want to make. Does that mean, Tom, in your opinion, we could see maybe the elimination of divisions where every school gets an X amount of built-in games geographically and then you play the other games as kind of uh, random matchups every year? It's going to be interesting what comes out of these Big Ten spring meetings when it comes to these future Big Ten schedules. Yeah, you're right. And um, <clears throat> I guess I'll be surprised if they go away from divisions. Um but who knows? I'm sure everything's on the table. I guess I'm trying to see what the benefit would be from from moving away from their, their current setup. You always want the marquee matchups, right? And we're guaranteed just a handful of those every year because of, of rivalries and whatnot, like Michigan-Ohio State. Um, but again, yeah, I, I'm going to have to make some phone calls to see if I can, I can try to figure something out, maybe see what people are thinking here. But yeah, it, it's, 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 always, it's always moving here. So I think the one thing we know for sure can they're probably going to keep the nine conference games. I think we saw that talk of the alliance with the ACC and the Pac-12, what, five, six months ago, was something that that, 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 that cropped up. But I think that's sort of fallen to the wayside. I think there's, there's, more, there's more interest in keeping nine Big Ten games and trying to schedule these non-conference games with the Pac-12 and the ACC. Because I don't think there's much of an appetite for Oregon State against Indiana or, or Wake Forest against Minnesota games like that don't, don't move the needle as much just having just Big Ten conference games I think yeah it there's a lot to think about how they're going to go about this the one thing I still go to always Tom is this um, Ohio State Michigan that's the most valuable piece of property in college football if you eliminate divisions you have the chance of that being a rematch game the next week and I just don't know yeah. how that's good for any anybody so that's why I like the divisions because you typically get a new game in the finals where if you eliminate divisions, you very well could have a rematch. And I don't like rematches. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of them either. I think it still would draw a big number, obviously. But to have it back-to-back would be really odd, I think. Uh, In consecutive weeks, if you will, I guess would be the case. So, yeah, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what but maybe what ideas are kicked around, and again, if the scheduling changes at all moving forward to 2023. Well, Tom, uh, we really appreciate you taking some time. It's always fun to talk to you. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to catch up here later this summer. Thank you, buddy. All right. Much more to come. We're going to be joined by Hawkeye Reports' Tom Caker. We'll talk Iowa spring football and also get Tom's thoughts on NIL and what's happening in Iowa. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan uh, here joined now, as I said, we're going to be joined here by Hawkeye Reports, Tom Cakert as uh, Iowa just getting done with spring football. Um, but lots to catch up here with Tom, a uh, good friend of the program. No one knows Iowa football more than Tom. Um, first of all, Tom, I want to ask you about spring. Um, I mean, Iowa is kind of typically known, or at least Kirk Ferentz, to kind of run one of the most closed springs, and it's usually like one of the most boring um, spring games where they don't even typically play a spring game. Did you learn anything out of Iowa spring football this year? <laughs> this one was, uh, you know, they, they typically keep it very vanilla. This one was vanilla, and it was short because they were just down on numbers. I, they were, um, they had one scholarship tight end that was, that was healthy and out there and like four walk on tight ends. They had um, most of the receivers, including Keegan Johnson, not even dressed. So, and, and some of the other guys that will play a lot this year hardly worked in practice. So yeah, it was, uh, it was short. It was vanilla. And uh, that's about all I can say is, we get, they had it. It was weird. They had it at uh, started at nine forty five in the morning, so just a weird time to kind of start it. And I think we were we were out of there with, after interviews by like noon. Wow! So just, they don't really make it like a deal. Like they don't they don't care about having a huge crowd. They're not really interested in nope. making it a big recruiting fair. No, and it was a weird spring for Iowa too because. Um, Kirk told us afterwards of the 15 practices, only three were outdoors. And this was the, and usually they have a couple of them in Kinnick, a couple like little scrimmages or whatever, but just the weather is just not cooperated. So they, and as you know, recruits are in and out all the time for practices in the spring. So when you've got 15 practices and the weather is cold or rainy or whatever, uh, you're just not going to go practice outside. If you've got recruits there, you want the, them to feel comfortable and not cold and have a good experience. So you just use your indoor practice facility to, to hold those practices. So they only had three. That was one of three practices they held outdoors in the first one they did at Kinnick. Yeah, the wind, I'm sure Iowa was the same way. The wind has just been brutal. I mean, I've never seen wind like Third, this year. Yeah, it's been, uh, in fact, Saturday it was like 30, 40 miles an hour and um, kickers struggled. Quarterbacks, you know, were fighting with the wind a little bit. Um, so it was, uh, it was not, uh, it was less than ideal. Uh, at least it didn't rain. And, uh, that was the, the big positive for the day. Well, Tom, the two big topics in college football are transfer portal now and name, image, and likeness. And yeah. I, I was really unique in the sense on the transfer portal, um, I know at least at one point they had not added a player from the portal um, to their roster. Is that still the case, or have they still not gone in the portal for anybody yet this year? They, they've they got a tight end, uh, Steven Stilianos from uh, Lafayette, actually. <laughs> not Lafayette, Indiana, either. Lafayette uh, College. So that's their that's their addition this year was, uh, was one player from the portal. Um, I, I don't think they're going to add anybody else from the portal they're not it's it's not that they're against it it's just they don't really 
kind of play in that sandbox. And honestly, they haven't lost many players to the portal either. I mean, I think they're probably lowest in the Big Ten in terms of guys that went in the portal, at least to this point. Now, I know this week with May 1st kind of being that quote-unquote deadline to uh, jump in the portal that maybe there'll be some more guys that make decisions based on spring ball this past week. But right now, it just looks like they just don't play in that sandbox very often. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I, I, it's just not, it's not that I was against it. It's just, they don't really spend much time there. Well, then that leads to my next question. Name, image, and likeness, NIL. I mean, the new hot thing is, you know, most of the power programs are forming these collectives, which are essentially boosters that own very large businesses that are, you know, paying large sums of money to have athletes make tweets or appearances or, whatever it is, to earn the money, um, but it's impacted recruiting. How, what have you seen from Iowa? Do they have a collective formed? What, what, what has been the NIL that you've seen out of Iowa outside of, from, outside of maybe like your organic you know, tweet about the local pizza shop? I mean, have you seen anything high level from that end from Iowa on NIL? It's been interesting. Um, you know, there's been some kind of higher profile athletes that have been able to benefit from NIL and they've kind of worked with some different people and some of the businesses have partnered up with, uh, with some of the student athletes, for example, um, you know, Caitlin Clark's one of the best uh, women's basketball players in the country and Hy-Vee is located in Des Moines where she's from. And so she is partnered up with, with Hy-Vee. And so they are, um, you know, have a, have a partnership there. Uh, Fran McCaffrey's sons, Connor and Patrick, have a podcast that they're doing at a taco place, you know, a taco restaurant uh, that uh, that they're doing a podcast from there. Uh, so they've kind of been innovative, and but most of those things, other than I think Caitlin's deals, obviously probably pretty significant money, but a lot of the stuff is mainly just kind of like walking around money, you know, pizza money or a little beyond pizza money, maybe a car payment money kind of thing. Um, so it's not been a big deal, but uh, Iowa is in the process of forming a collective. I know they're in the process of hiring someone to run that collective. Uh, that should be done this week. I know their goal is to have it uh, you know, kind of running by the middle of May. Um, Iowa just has not, kind of, it, it's interesting and, I'll just I'll say this that some of the schools that have been quick to um, kind of get these things organized probably have had that infrastructure developed uh, uh, previously, doing things differently uh, than maybe a, an Iowa has done. So it's been easier for them to get that um, collective up and going. Uh, so this is really kind of kind of new uh, for Iowa fans and, and frankly. Iowa fans that I've interacted with, probably about 25% of them are just like, I, I, this is just foreign to me. I'm not completely comfortable with this. And when I've asked them if they'd be interested in participating in a collective or if they would do that, and they're just like not really interested. Well, and Tom, when I look at the Big Ten West, I, I, I mean, I see a lot of programs like that. I can't see Northwestern. I can't really see Wisconsin. You know, I don't know about Minnesota. I mean, maybe P.J. Fleck and his people, but – I feel like the West is different. Now, Nebraska's in it. They're doing a lot of the stuff, as you know and probably have heard. 
Um, but it seems like the Big Ten West is not going to get heavy into this stuff when you kind of survey the rest of the, the West. Yeah, and you know, we, we've talked to Kirk Ferentz about it, and his idea, um, and I think this is kind of, it's okay, but it's, I don't think it's realistic because, that, as you and I know, every recruit is not made different, is, is made differently and has a different um, you know, demand structure or whatever, uh, what they can, you know, they're, they're different people. Like, for example, Caden Proctor is a five-star offensive lineman at Southeast Polk High School, which is just outside of Des Moines this year. Everybody in the country is after him, Alabama, Oregon, you know, Ohio State. Uh, his teammate, five-star safety Xavier Wampa, came to Iowa last year. That was before all these collectives really took hell, took hold, and and got rolling in a in a different direction. So, you know, Caden Proctor could probably go out and command um, well into a six-figure NIL deal before he even arrives on campus. And now, is Iowa gonna? Is he going to want that? I don't know. It's gonna depend what what players want and uh, what they need. But it's, it is just, it, uh, Kirk Ferentz's idea is we're going to give each one of these guys, we're going to have a collective that gives like, you know, say 60 players every year, like ten to $15,000. And, and that's how it's going to work for the football side. I just don't think that's realistic. I, I think you've got to be flexible to be able to go out and get, higher-end players. Um, Iowa seems to believe that they can do this and still continue to recruit at kind of the same level that they are now. But I, I don't know. Time will tell if, that, if that's how it goes. And then, Tom, I want to ask you this here before we wrap it up. Um, we don't know the 2023 Big Ten schedules yet. I know ADs are getting together in May. Have you got any insight on what direction they're going to take the future scheduling? Could they eliminate divisions and have a kind of scheduling pods with – you know, more crossovers. Do you have any idea what direction the Big Ten is going to go on this? I wish I knew. Uh, I, I know that one of those things was like a, even like eliminating the divisions and just kind of going with the top two and just having kind of the three. You'd have like, what, three probably considered rivals. Like for Iowa, it's probably Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska. Um, you know, I think it's probably the same for Nebraska. And too. they'd probably be the same for uh, Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, it's, pro- it's probably just going to be a round robin between those four schools, to be honest, every year. And, and that makes sense. And that's fine. You know, there's a lot of trophy games in there and um, a lot of a lot of history there and makes sense from a geography standpoint. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how they what they do because i know like like iowa hasn't played ohio state in forever and they were supposed to play them uh you know last year but it just didn't happen and then you know they're gonna go there um this year but it it is weird that iowa hasn't been to ohio state since god i can't remember it's been at least 10 years where nebraska has played ohio state six years in a row yeah and iowa played penn state like six years in a row it's just it's weird how they schedule things. You know, Iowa went to Michigan a couple of years ago, but before that, it'd been like eight years since they'd been to the big house. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it's going to be interesting. Well, Tom, I really appreciate the time, uh, and I know we'll probably be catching up here later this summer, but uh, that was Hawkeye Reports. Tom Kaker joining us here. Thanks again, Tom. Thank you. 
All right, much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Thanks again to Tom Kakert and Tom Diener for joining me here on the show. And uh, wanted to bring in um, another guest, a guy that I've known for a long time, uh, not only to talk just in-state recruiting, um, but also just college football talk in general. Uh, pleased to have on the program, I believe now for a second time, Rivals.com's Clint Cosgrove, son of former Nebraska defensive coordinator Kevin Cosgrove, longtime friend of mine. It's almost been 20 years now uh, since Clint and I first met. Clint, uh, we appreciate you taking some time to join us here on the Husker Online Show. Uh, always a pleasure, man. Love catching up with you, Sean. I know we talk off air on there, but uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, before we get into the meat of in-state recruiting, because you've really done a great job um, for Rivals you know, getting your foot in the door and, and, and covering the local recruiting for us here in Nebraska. I wanted to get your thoughts just on um, this May 1st deadline in college football and the transfer portal and the NIL and just how wild this week is going to end up being when it's all said and done. I mean, we've seen wild weeks. I don't know if we're going to see one quite like this here uh, when it's all said and done. Yeah, um, it is going to be very wild because the other thing that you have to factor in is this was already a big transfer time even before the portal was big because spring ball ended. Guys, you know, kind of saw if they were going to, you know, play. Sometimes they were told to move on. Uh, some guys weren't happy with where they finished on the depth chart after spring. So there was all, already a lot of transfer things going on in this period. Now you throw in the portal with the deadline, the NIL, and uh, it, it's going to get hectic. And it's not – uh, I'm really interested to see how it plays out. You know, uh, you know, some of the kids are that I talked to uh, on the road, especially down in Texas when I was recently at uh, our, our rivals camp down there. Um, one of the kids I talked to, he's like, all I know is wherever I go, I'm staying for four years because this transfer portal is getting absolutely out of control. You know, there's kids who were, you know, four or five star athletes who signed with big, big programs out of high school. They're, you know, they think that they can just hop in the transfer portal and, and they're going to get picked up right away. And it, it, that's that's not the way it's gone. I mean, the the cream of the crop is getting picked up, but uh, uh, there's there's a, there's a lot of questions about uh, you know what's what's going to happen, especially with this deadline coming up. Yeah, when you guys go to these camps, I mean, you have unique access to you know hundreds of Power Five offered recruits around the country. More access, arguably, in the spring months than anybody has. Uh, when you guys get to all these different camps, I'm curious, do you guys now ask them questions about NIL and the impact it might have or just what kind of conversations they've already had about NIL with schools? Yeah, so we do and we don't. You know, at first, it for me, it was just something I didn't want to touch because I didn't feel comfortable talking about it. I was still learning about it. Uh, I don't know uh, how the deals really work on, you know, on the back door. Uh, I know there's certain ways they're supposed to work, but I'm not sure if that's totally how it's going <laughs> at this point. But I have started recently um, asking, and some kids, uh, well, most kids, they, they won't go on record talking about it. Uh, 
I recently did an interview with Carnell Tate and, uh, you know, in his opinion, and I was like, and I, and I said in the interview, uh, I was like, I don't want to know about your personal situation, any names or anything like that, but how is NIL affecting it? And he said, it is essentially for a lot of kids, that's what their decision is being made off of. And obviously not the, you know, the mid-tier kids, but the national guys who can go anywhere. Uh, Carnell, his opinion was, you know what, I, I know that the big money is after college. So I'm not going to sacrifice opportunities in the NFL and, and what comes with that, you know, for, for the money right now. So there are guys who, who, who see it like that and think like that. Um, you know, they know the bigger, they see the bigger picture, but there's others that, um, you know, they look at their current situation, whether they've struggled with money or they're, they want money now and, and there's no guarantees of the NFL, you know, you get hurt and, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, like in the past, some of these top kids, the colleges made a lot of money off of them and then they don't pan out and they walk away with nothing. So I get it from both sides, um, but it is having a, a big impact. Uh, I do think it's going to need to be regulated a little more and it will be eventually. But at this point, I mean, you, you're not going to be able to stop the kids from making money. And it is going to have an impact more so for the top, top, top kids. Um, but it, it uh, you know, the kids who will talk about it, uh, you know, they, they, they definitely express that it, it, it's changing things. We're talking here with Clint Cosgrove from Rivals.com. And Clint, you were in Indianapolis for the Rivals camp this weekend. Um, we had an, a number of kids from Nebraska go out to the event. Um, you know, can you just speak? to a few things that you saw because I know a lot of our listeners um, they're all over the state of Nebraska and there's always an interest in local guys and even guys not necessarily going to Nebraska I know Zane Flores impressed a lot of you guys the quarterback from Gretna going to Oklahoma State um, and there were a number of other guys that had good showings in Indianapolis yeah there really was um, Zane uh, was was really impressive uh, of all the quarterbacks it got, it got a little windy at one point and they were throwing into a headwind and, uh, you know, and there were, there were, there was a good group of quarterbacks there. Um, and he was the only one who could zip it through the wind. And, uh, you know, it, it says a lot about, you know, his spin rate, um, you know, his, his, his arm strength, his mechanics, uh, he has a quick release and he was able to get it right through and get, get the ball to kids where, you know, some of the other guys, especially the younger quarterbacks, really struggled getting it out, and uh, their ball would get blown dead in the wind. So that was one thing I really liked about him. He's extremely accurate. Uh, he's uh, he looks like he's been coached up pretty well. I mean, his footworks are his footwork is good. Um, I love his release. And uh, the the crazy thing about it is he's pretty thin right now, um, and, and he looks thin on film, but. Uh, I don't have his exact measurables right in front of me, uh, but he is going to fill out. And when you see just what he's capable of right now and the arm strength and, and all of that, uh, when he fills out, uh, he's got a chance to be a big-time big time player, I think. We're talking here with Clint Cosgrove from Rivals.com. Um, you know, and another guy locally um, that wasn't at the camp, but you've been able to really – know more or learn more about him than anybody is Malachi Coleman at Lincoln East and this week he added offers Clint from Michigan and Oklahoma and Florida State you lived in Lincoln for a while um, 
you know, you understand it. it. People don't typically offer guys from Lincoln, Nebraska, at least programs like that. I mean, what are you hearing and seeing from Malachi? Why he's garnering offers like this right now? I think there's so many different factors with it. Um, first off, he's he's getting out there and he's getting to these programs and they're seeing his frame in person. You know, I remember the first time you told me about Malachi before he was on my radar. Uh, my biggest question is how tall is he really? Um, and he's continued to grow. I believe he was, you know, just under six four then. He's probably pushing six five now. I've heard that, you know, doctors say he could get to six eight. So they 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 see him in person. He passes the eyeball test. Uh, he's a very articulate kid, um, great kid. Uh, I, I'm sure they love his story. Um, you know, the, the adversity that he's overcome, you know, nothing's going to be too big for him. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, he checks the boxes and then you look at his, his athleticism and, um, really the fact that he is just growing into his body and just scratching the surface of what he will be as a football player. I think they also like his versatility his ability to play pretty much any position on the field. I mean, he could play defensive end, he could play safety, he could play receiver. Um, so when you have a guy like that, uh, you know, sometimes when you're looking at your numbers and it comes to signing day and, and you're trying to figure out who you can take, um, you know, they have things called a team take. And Malachi Coleman is a, he's a, a perfect example of a team take where you get the best player you can who can provide value at multiple positions. And I think he's that type of guy. So they like that about him. Um, and then, you know, like you just sent me that, that, uh, that track clip of him earlier and he's gliding and, and he's a big kid, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't move like he's a big kid. He moves like a smaller guy. And um, I just love his versatility. And I think the coaches do too. They love the frame. They love the attitude. Uh, and his, his upside is just through the roof because he's only scratching the surface of what he's going to be. As we wrap it up here with Clint Cosgrove, I wanted to ask you about two other guys um, that aren't really on the radar for a lot of folks, uh, but two guys that really jumped out, I know, to you in Indianapolis uh, were, were Rocco Marcelino, a 2023 defensive end from Creighton Prep, and then Henry Prochaska, the younger brother of former Rivals 100 Offensive lineman Teddy Prochaska, Henry is a defensive end, and he received an invite to the underclassmen challenge in Atlanta. Your thoughts on these two guys? Yeah, so um, starting with Rocco, I love the kid. <laughs> I absolutely love him. Um, you know, I try to go into these events blind. Uh, now, there, obviously, there's certain kids that, especially since it was the Midwest camp where I know most of them, I've seen most of them in person. Uh, but I had not seen him in person before. And uh, so, like, when I say I try to go into these blind, I don't want any uh, preconceived notions to influence my evaluation of them. And he is a kid that jumped out right away. Um, he made the best of the best in one-on-one. Uh, and really, uh, he was a nightmare for offense alignment. Um, he, he's, a, he's a tough kid. He's a high-motor kid. He's explosive off the ball. And he's much bigger than, than I thought. When I went back and looked at the numbers, you know, he's just under 6'5". He's 244 pounds. He's got long arms. He's 34-inch arms, 77-inch wingspan. And uh, I am just absolutely shocked that Air Forces is only offer 
the only reps that I saw him lose was when he was going up against Miles McVay. Uh, I remember there were two reps. There was one where, you know, Miles really got the best of them. But uh, there was one where <laughs> where where he had him he had him on his heels and he 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 almost beat him he almost got to the uh, well it was a bag but the quarterback so uh, but besides those reps against Miles um, he was he was a matchup nightmare for everybody I think that once people see him in person get him in camps uh, see the type of kid he is and, and get his measurables he should blow up and to me from what I've seen and especially just knowing the the, the pride that in-state kids have, uh, you know, of playing for Nebraska. And, and, and I talked with him about that. Um, he grew up a Husker fan. And um, he's a kid that, you know, as the recruiting, you know, as it gets closer to signing day, that I, I think Nebraska should probably take a close look at. Um, there's a lot to like about him. Yeah, I think, um, so I think those are my thoughts. I think it's more no, a matter of – um... <laughs> somebody forcing the hand, you know, getting that first power five offer. And usually when that happens, a lot of people follow. Yeah, no question. I mean, we saw it with uh, Zane Flores, you know, the second he pops at K state, uh, then people say, uh, well, let's take a look at him. And, uh, you know, uh, like we had talked about before, he takes the team to what they won the state championship. Right. And it, uh, you know, in an area that it, isn't necessarily full of, you know, big time, big time talent that can compete with, you know, some of these other top teams. So that says, uh, that says a lot about, uh, about him. And then briefly, uh, Henry Prochaska, Elkhorn South, 2024. Yeah. So Henry is, he's a kid that, uh, he flashed, he really flashed. He's long. Uh, he's, he's, he's not done growing. Um, you could tell he is just scratching the surface. I mean, his uh, wingspan, it, it, he was just under 6'3", but he had a 76-inch wingspan, 33-inch uh, arms. Um, so that stands out about him. Uh, he was quick off the ball, just very raw right now, but I think he's got a ton of upside. Uh, you know, I didn't see as many reps as his as I did of Rocco, um, but, uh, you know, what I did see of him, uh, he definitely has some upside. That's why he got invited to the underclass and challenge. I'd love to see him if he does make it down there, compete against uh, some of those those top guys, and then see how he's developed and grown uh, between what I saw. What was it? Jeez, it was yesterday only. <laughs> yesterday and uh, and later this summer because I, I think he'll even um, you know, like I said, he's growing into his frame. He's going to be even bigger by the time June July comes around. Well, Clint, we appreciate you taking some time here. Uh, I know you've had a busy travel schedule this spring. I'm sure it's going to be nice to be home now for a few weeks. Well, I hope so. I'm going to uh, Columbus, Ohio now for the Ray Lewis camp uh, the next week. I still have the Philly camp. Um, so, But, uh, yeah, no, we're, we're getting down the home stretch with the camps, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be good to get some home time. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, Clint Cosgrove, our guest, when we come back on the Husker Online Show, we'll close the show with some basketball talk with Robert Washett. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. And before we get into some basketball talk, this segment is brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland, as Nebraska will take on Northwestern. It's the first college football game of the year. It will be played in Aviva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland on August 27th. Robin and I will be going out there, and there's still time for you to book your trip. Um, I know time is ticking, but check out Huskers2Ireland.com. Still some great packages left to go. If you're trying to find that last-minute Father's Day gift or birthday gift, um, maybe even an early Christmas present for that loved one in your family that's never been able to do something like this, there is still time to put it together, Huskers2Ireland.com. They even have um, the ability to help you with airfare and all the things you need to make this a once-in-a-lifetime trip. That's Huskers2Ireland.com. Well, Robin, let's talk basketball now. It's been busy, um, and it's always busy this time of year, uh, but you ha- you had the Huskers, first of all, add another key piece from the transfer portal. Give us the latest. Yes. So uh, last week, uh, they brought in a official visit from Alabama transfer Juwan Gary um, on last Monday and Tuesday. And then on Thursday afternoon, uh, things went so well during that trip that Gary announced his commitment to Nebraska. And so he's a 6'6", you know, a bit undersized forward who, you know, you could probably say is a four, but um, you know, a bit undersized, and I think when, when I talk to him, he's kind of viewing himself as maybe playing that that lat man role, where I guess the the ideal lat man role, where he's uh, going to be on the perimeter a little bit and kind of be almost just as much of a wing as he is a forward. So um, a, a a unique piece compared to the types of players Nebraska has been recruiting the past few classes, in the sense that. Offense is not the name of his game. Um, you know, scoring is is not his bread and butter. He only averaged um, you know six and a half points per game uh, last season. Uh, you know, he started sixteen of Alabama's twenty nine games, and you know Alabama was a top twenty five team last year. So he's he's one of those guys that does a lot of the other stuff. You know the the offensive rebounds, the diving for loose balls, the clamping down on defense, protecting the rim, uh, being a physical presence in the paint because he's only six six, but he's He's filled out, so he's a, he's a strong frame that um, can can do a lot of different things on both ends of the floor, and it's one of those players that Nebraska just really hasn't had. Uh, one of those just bulldog type guys that uh, isn't worried about how many shots he's going to get up per game. He's more worried about doing all of the things possible uh, to help his team win. So, uh, an interesting kind of like big picture look at maybe the new direction Nebraska's starting to go with its recruiting to where it's not just the the top available score or top available transfer out there. It's finding pieces that complement each other and what you already have on the roster. So um, you know, some other interesting notes, like his numbers don't jump off the page. Six and a half rebounds, or sorry, six and a half points, 3.4 rebounds per game, um, average just over 15 minutes. But when he played over 25 minutes, Alabama was, I think they didn't lose a game or at least were, uh, you know, substantially better than um, maybe that the stat line would suggest. And then even more, he shot almost 62% from inside the arc. Uh, so he was a really efficient player at the rim, and he had an offensive rebound rate at 12.7, which is really good. I don't think there was a player on Nebraska's roster last year that was even close to that. So, again, uh, a unique piece compared to what Nebraska has gotten. And um, 
the other part to that is I mentioned Lat May, and you can kind of read the tea leaves there where they just brought in a forward. Nebraska technically is still waiting on an official announcement from Lat. Uh, this basically seals the deal that Lat is gone. Um, I've hinted at this for a while now, but this kind of finalizes that without the official announcement that uh, Nebraska has moved on and turned the page as if uh, Lat Man will not be on the roster next season. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk basketball with Robin Washett. Give us your feel. Like, what what do you think these next few weeks are going to look like on the road? How fast could some of this really move here with Fred Hoiberg out himself now doing a lot of this heavy lifting? Yeah, well, they still have to figure out what that the rest of the roster when that that last spot and that last spot is Trey McGowan's spot. And um, again, I, I keep saying every day that goes by, the less and less likely it is that Trey comes back. Um, Nebraska is basically recruiting as if that spot is open. Uh, that's kind of the way that I've been able to read this, that um, you know they're still in hot pursuit of guys like Antonio Reeves, who right now it's down to Nebraska and Kentucky. Um, they probably have a decision at some point this week. Uh, we're taping Monday, so uh, we'll see if a decision doesn't come. Um, you know, like I said, by the end of the week on that one. But even if they miss on Reeves, I would anticipate they uh, try to identify another scoring guard out of the transfer portal. Um, so, you know, again, there's been nothing official announced on Trey, just like there was nothing with Lat. But, you know, it's, it's starting to become pretty apparent with the way that Nebraska is recruiting the portal and trying to search for um, a guard, uh, just like they were a forward, that just like Lat. Trey is probably, uh, you know, safe to say that he will not be back next season either. So um, that's kind of the the last piece that needs to get figured out here as far as next year's roster. But uh, they have definitely not slowed down. They've they've hit the ground running uh, with their full staff recruiting approach uh, that they're they're undertaking this year with the 2023 class. Uh, this past weekend was the second April live period, and the, the staff was out in full force. Fred Hoiberg himself was uh, down in uh, Kansas City, and then he went to South Carolina. Then he was in Indianapolis, uh, all watching 2023 recruits. So they are full speed ahead on trying to um, keep up their two straight uh, quality recruiting classes with the 23 group. But Again, you know, it's going to be interesting to see just the, the different types of players that they try to go after now with having three full-time assistants all having a uh, very large say in the targets they identify and then having Fred himself be more involved with identifying talent than he has been yet at Nebraska. Well, there's going to be lots to follow, lots to keep up with Robin Washett and Nebraska basketball. We've had a jam-packed show, though. Thanks again to Tom Dehart, Tom Kakert, and Clint Cosgrove as well for joining me and make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com as we will keep you up to date with the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.